the wisdom book of Ecclesiastes uh, in the Bible uh, teaches that there is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And we are uh, approaching uh, what is, or what should be, a time of rejoicing, a time of feasting as we celebrate Christmas. And uh, I don't believe that it's right uh, to preach about fasting when we should be feasting, or feasting when we should be fasting. Uh, But we're not quite there yet. We haven't quite yet made it to Christmas. So before we get to that time of uh, feasting and uh, festivity, I thought it would be perhaps especially worth listening uh, to this wisdom we find at the beginning of Proverbs chapter 23. You might have noticed I missed out a proverb which we haven't looked at at the end of chapter 22, verse 29. Uh, But we will, God willing, be looking at that towards the beginning of next year. Uh, But for now, we're going to look at these opening verses of Proverbs chapter 23, verses 1 to 3, where God's word reads, When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetites. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. I don't know what you thought when you heard read those words, Uh, but you may have thought, well, I'm not planning on sitting down with any rulers anytime soon. I've not been invited to the palace or to the, I don't know, county council or whatever our rulers are around here. And you might think, well, this proverb doesn't apply to me. Uh, I'm not going to be eating with uh, dignitaries anytime soon. But you'd be mistaken if you thought, because of that, this proverb doesn't have application for you. Uh, Because the warning uh, contained in this proverb is not simply for when we're invited to the palace or to a garden party or to whatever. Uh, We have to remember uh, that when these words were written many hundreds and thousands years ago, Uh, It was the wealthy and the influential who ate well, the rulers. They were the ones who had access to rich food. Rich food was found in king's palaces and in scarcely anywhere else. Today, however, uh, in the society that we live in, nearly all of us have access to food that even emperors of the past could barely have dreamed of. And if you ever considered that, uh, we have refrigerators, we have freezers, we have access to not just meat, but a whole host of different sorts of meat cooked in all sorts of different ways. Uh, even a child can go and buy a chocolate bar uh, almost whenever they please, and yet a chocolate bar would be of untold luxury to our ancestors of the past. Uh, We have access to abundant food. Even the poorest of us have greater choice than many people in the past, and indeed many people across the world today have. 
And this warning, therefore, is not just for people in palaces or rulers, but it's for anyone who has access to an abundance of food, which is actually most of us, if we're honest. Most of us have access to an abundance of food. And the author of Proverbs here warns us. He says, be careful. Consider carefully what is on your plate. Watch your appetite. So I want to start by asking the question, why? Why does it matter? Why does God care about what we eat? Why does this proverb have such strong words exhorting us to consider carefully what we eat? And just to um, set your minds at rest, some of you might have, I will be uh, talking about the dangers of under-eating as well a little bit later, although this proverb primarily concerns the dangers of overeating. But we need to make clear there are dangers in both directions, as I'll make clear a little later. Uh, but let's also say first what this proverb is not teaching. Uh, it's sometimes easy to mishear the Bible and to hear what we hear around us all the time and assume that is what the Bible is saying. Uh, we hear these verses and we take it to be uh, an exhortation to healthy eating. And we hear that all the time, don't we? Adverts on TV, in the magazines, newspaper, uh, how we can eat more healthily and better and um, in a way which can prolong our life longer. That's all over the place. But that's not primarily what this proverb is talking about. It's not primarily teaching us the benefits of healthy eating. Uh, the benefit of healthy eating is that it increases your chances, although it doesn't make it certain, but it increases your chances of living a longer and more effective life. That's the benefit of healthy eating. But did you notice what the proverb said? It said, consider carefully what is before you on your plate and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Well, if the benefit of healthy eating is a long and prosperous life, then that makes no sense at all that the author of this proverb says it's better to put a knife to your throat than to be given to too much appetite. Because although healthy eating is not unimportant and is considered good according to the teaching of the Bible, that is not the chief concern here. Uh, God doesn't prescribe a certain body shape. Uh, the Bible doesn't prescribe a certain dress size. Uh, it doesn't prescribe how much you should be able to bench press. And many of us are thinking it's just as well. Uh, the Bible... And God, of course, is not primarily concerned about such things. Although the world around us thinks a great deal of such things. Perhaps too much. 
if we're honest. What God is primarily concerned about is not the physical danger that food poses, but the spiritual danger that food poses. In fact, uh, this proverb is teaching exactly what Jesus would teach about a thousand years later. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 29 to 30, uh, Jesus taught, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Jesus is using hyperbole, uh, overstatement here, to teach the danger of letting anything become more important to us than God himself. Jesus and this proverb is teaching us that food is a wonderful servant, but it is a terrible master. It's a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And we all know, don't we, that there is a danger uh, that food can sometimes become a better friend to us than God, uh, than Christ himself. And let me ask you a very personal question. Uh, what do you do or where do you go when you're sad? Uh, where do you go when you're stressed? Uh, where do you go when you're feeling overwhelmed? And tragically, for so many, uh, their first port of call is to the fridge or to the cupboard, to the pantry. Uh, because food can be a friend that we cling to and we love more than Christ himself. In short, uh, food can become an idol. Uh, that is what this proverb is warning us against. Uh, all of us have the danger of making other things our support, other things other than God. Um, what is the thing you turn to when in life you feel unsteady, when things are being shaken, uh, when, I, as I said, you're upset, you're stressed, uh, things aren't going well, what you turn to might reveal what your idol is, that thing we turn to to steady ourselves. For some, it might be money. For some, it might be sex. For some, it might be binge-watching TV. Uh, it might be any number of things which can get between us and God. None of those things are necessarily wrong in themselves as long as they don't become more important than God. Listen to what Hebrews uh, chapter 13 verse 5 says. It says, keep your life free from love of money. And you could replace money there with all sorts of different things. Uh, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he, that's God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
For some, food really does feel like the only real friend they have. But God is saying, I will never leave nor forsake you. I am a better friend than anything this world can offer. I will never leave nor forsake you. Don't cling to these other things. Cling to me. Because food, like idol, uh, like alcohol, and like so many other things in this world, is deceitful. I don't know if you notice that in verse 3. It says, do not desire his, that's the ruler's delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Food is deceitful. We think it's going to make us happy, and it may make us happy for a time, but if we overindulge, then it, over, it ends up with misery in the end. Not just physically, but also spiritually. And again, I should say at this point that food can be deceitful in the opposite way as well. Uh, some people can think food is the answer to their problems, but other people can view food as the cause of all their problems. Um, those of you here uh, today who've come across um, diseases like anorexia and bulimia uh, will know the devastation that that causes. Uh, the feeling that uh, eating food is somehow disgusting and it makes us disgusting. And so people do not eat what they ought to eat. Uh, both these problems, overeating and undereating, all point to an unhealthy relationship with food because food can be deceptive. We either think it's the best thing possible or the worst thing possible. But the Bible teaches neither of those things are true. Food shouldn't be your closest friend, but neither should it be your vilest enemy. No, food is a wonderful gift from God. And it should be enjoyed as a gift from God. Food is given to us. We should not be given to it. That is exactly what this proverb is teaching. Or to put it another way, your appetite should be under your control. You should not be under its control. That is the lesson this proverb is teaching. Put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. It has you rather than you have it. But that leads to a final question that I want to look at in closing this morning. Uh, how do we know when too much is too much? Uh, gluttony, that's the name of the sin this proverb is addressing, uh, is a very difficult sin to pin down. Uh, is it calories? Is 3,000 calories okay, but 3,100 calories bad? Uh, is one donut okay, but two donuts sin? <laughs> It's very difficult, isn't it, to pin down what is appropriate for us to eat. What, what is the right amount? We all come in different shapes and sizes, as I said, and some of us need more food than others. 
How do we know when too much is too much? How do we consider carefully what is before us? I just want to uh, close by giving us three things that we can listen to. Uh, Three things or three people we can listen to which will help us to navigate uh, this question of how to enjoy food rightly. And the first thing we should listen to is our own bodies. The first thing we should listen to is our own bodies. God has given us bodies that require food. You need food, food in order to live. And that's a good thing. Uh, God has created us in that way. And if our body is healthy, then it will often tell us when we haven't eaten enough or when we have eaten too much. It'll make us sick. It'll give us that feeling in our stomach, which we're all familiar with, I'm sure, when we know we've eaten too much. Or it'll make us ill when we've eaten too little. And we shouldn't ignore the warning signs that our bodies give to us. That is a recipe for disaster. We should listen to the bodies that God has provided us with. And that isn't just a physical thing. Uh, It also touches on mental issues, if I can put it that way. Um, Let me ask you, uh, do you struggle with depression? Uh, Do you struggle with anxiety? Um, Now, I would never be so foolish as to say that such things can be fixed simply by a change of diet. That would be an ignorant and foolish thing to say. But you might be surprised how much an improved diet can help such things as depression and anxiety. Uh, If we eat poorly, it will affect our mood. It will affect our emotions. Uh, Do you remember when Elijah was depressed? Elijah had, as it were, won a great victory on God's behalf, or God had won a great victory through Elijah. And then immediately, when he thought everything was going to be better, the Queen Jezebel threatened to kill him and sent soldiers to arrest and execute him. And in misery, he fled into the wilderness, and we're told that he wanted to die. He felt he'd failed, and he was utterly depressed. And when God found him in the wilderness, the first thing God did was not give him a lecture, not give him a sermon, but he told him to eat and to drink. Because we need food. Food is the fuel that God prescribes for us. So don't underestimate the importance of eating rightly. Uh, That is the way God has created us. So listen to your body. But secondly, uh, listen to your conscience. (laughs) Listen to your conscience. Uh, We can sometimes make out it's very difficult uh, to find out where's the line between too little and too much. But if we're honest, I think most of us know where the line is. Uh, Through bitter experience, perhaps, we have learned where the line is. And part of the reason I know that most of us know where the line is is because we tend to be very good at spotting when someone else has had too much 
or is having too much. That's not so difficult, is it? We can look at someone's plate and think, that's too much. And if we can tell it for someone else, the truth is we can also tell it for ourselves. The difference, of course, is that we don't want to see it for ourselves. Uh, It reminds me a little bit uh, of the story of a boy uh, who was told by his dad that he must not swim in the canal on his way back from school. And the next day, his son returned with damp hair. And his father asked him, where have you been? And the boy had to confess that he had indeed been swimming in the canal. And the father said to him, but didn't I tell you? Uh, Didn't I tell you not to swim in the canal? And the boy replied, yes, but I had my swimming suit with me. And I couldn't resist the temptation. But why, asked the father, did you take the bathing suit with you? Well, replied the boy, I took it with me just in case I was tempted. You see how we can sometimes play similar games with God. We know where the line is. We know what is right and wrong. But we can dilly-dally, we can play ultimately with sin. And we need to be aware of that tendency in ourselves. Listen to your conscience. It's your friend. It's telling you that you are going too far. Just perhaps one final thing to say regarding that. Uh, Did you know, uh, I think this is a statistical fact, that many people uh, are more likely to follow a prescription given to them by a vet for their dog than they are a prescription given them by their doctor to themselves. Did you know that? That's true, apparently. Uh, Many people have more concern, as it were, for their dog and will diligently follow the prescription given to it more than they will the prescription given to them. We need to learn to look after ourselves like someone we truly care about. And that applies to food as well. Uh, Most of us would not, if we're parents uh, this morning, would not overfeed our children. And yet we overfeed ourselves. Uh, We need to be aware of that danger in our own hearts. Uh, Listen to your body, but listen to your conscience. But lastly, listen to others. Listen to others, because uh, having said all I've said, uh, the problem is sometimes our bodies and our conscience can be unreliable. Uh, It doesn't always teach us as it should. Sometimes it stops telling us when enough is enough, and sometimes we've lost all ability to tell what is the right amount to have or not have. It can get warped. Our consciences can get twisted. And this is why it's so important to listen to others. Listen to those around you. Uh, If people around you who care for you, uh, parents, siblings, close friends, if they tell you you're eating too much or you're eating too little, you should listen to them. We need to listen to those around us. No one is an island. We need other people to guide us, to correct us when necessary. The book of Proverbs says later that in a multitude of counsellors, there is wisdom. Don't just rely on your own understanding. 
Don't just rely on your own wisdom, but listen to what those around you are saying. Uh, We have a responsibility to each other to help people to walk closely with God. And when other things are crowding in and threatening their relationship with God, we should speak up and we should listen when other people speak up in our lives. So listen to others. But just before we close and have our final hymn, uh, all these things that we've been looking at are helpful. All these things are helpful to us for uh, nurturing a better relationship with food. But ultimately, the only way to be released from the deceptiveness of food or the idolatry of anything that this world uh, can fascinate us with, uh, the only way of defeating any idol is by being consumed more by the loveliness of Christ. The only way you can defeat any idol in your life, whatever that idol is, is by loving Christ more, seeing how he is better than any of the gifts that he gives to us. That's the only surefire way to conquer idolatry and sin in our lives, uh, by understanding that who Jesus is, And what he's done and what he says is far better and richer food and drink than anything that the world offers. Uh, Jesus loves us. He died for us. He said, I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. Uh, Food is a wonderful gift, but it cannot do that. Only Christ can satisfy that ache and that longing and that desire that we all have in our hearts. And if you look for it anywhere else, you will not find it. Only Christ can supply it. So let's first and foremost run to him. When we feel those temptations, when we feel the battle, when we feel drawn to whatever idol it is, run to Christ. Ask him to open your eyes to see his beauty. And that is the surest antidote to idolatry, wherever that idolatry might be. And with those thoughts in mind, I've chosen uh, as our final hymn, a hymn we've sung at least once before, and Ian and Bethany will play for us, and trust me, we remember the words, but it's a hymn which reminds us of who our closest friend should be. Not the idols we cling to, but Christ himself. So we're going to close by singing, I have a friend, a faithful friend, and Jesus is his name. He will not leave. He stands by me. My shepherd, he remains. So we'll uh, listen to the, I think, the opening verse, and then we will stand to sing, I have a friend, a faithful friend. <laughs>